Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, folks, welcome back to the last Mountain West of our football podcast. Bowl preview number two. Jeremy hearing out with Matt as well. So we're doing these um, in succession. We already had our prior bowl preview. So if you missed those, go check out uh, our most recent show where we did the, I was going to say Las Vegas Bowl, Matt, but it's now the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. The LA Jimmy, Bowl. The Jimmy by, Kimmel LA Bowl, yeah. Yeah, and then also the Mexico Bowl. So this week, we're this episode, we have the famous – Idaho potato bowl and then also the tropical smoothie cafe Frisco bowl both Tuesday and December 21st. So depending on your work schedule, you have some daytime football. If you're able to watch it, 1:30 mountain time for the potato bowl, 5:30 for the uh Frisco bowl. I have a very important question for you, Matt, for the okay. famous Idaho potato bowl. What's your favorite potato slash French fry? Oh man, you can't make me choose. Yeah, yes, I can. Uh do you like Crinkle scallop pie. potatoes? Do you like yes. Okay. Scallop yes, is do. good. Mashed mashed are good, right? Quality, Ag- yes. What about Ag gratin? Are you a fan yeah, of those? Yes. I've never met a potato All that pot- I did not like. Let's put it that way. Okay. What about sweet potatoes? Yes. It's a, okay. Let me say. Um crinkle cut. So do you have a favorite fast food French fry French fry place? Oh, are we talking local or national? It doesn't matter, whatever you want. Probably something more people know than the Central Valley area for us in California. Okay, so I mean, honestly, it's it's really Give hard. Both. It's really hard to beat McDonald's. Oh boy! Although I, although I never okay. eat a McDonald's all of a sudden, like a bro. Yeah, completely that. wrong, but it's okay. You're partially right. Oh, I'm only partially <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. You you seem to have an opinion on that. I do. They're good. I I I like French fries. There's a couple that are really good. So. One of my favorite, which I don't get very often because it's not that pricey, but it's it can be Carl's Jr.'s Chris Cut Fries or Hardee's if you're on the East Coast, I believe. Yeah. Have you? No, you don't like that Cajun style Chris Cut Fry? They're fine. Oh, man. What about Five Guys Fries? Those are really good. Cajun style Five Guys? Yes. Can I tell you what fries are overrated by Miles? Oh, God. I know what you're going to say. No, you don't. 
Oh, okay. Tomatoes. I, I don't. Okay. What do you think? What do you think I'm going to say? I know what you're going to say. I think, I think you're. Think... I think you're going to disparage In and Out right now, and I'm not going to stand no, for it. I'm not. I'm not. Okay. okay. Their fries, they're they're not the best. They're great when they're hot quickly. They get cold too quickly for me. They they don't keep their temperature. Fair. Raising cane fries are trash. Those are. I know those are your crinkle cut fries, Matt. But no, sorry. No, that's all right. Shout, oh, by, the, by the way, shout out to Triangle Burger. That's my local shout out. That's perfect. Um, my, I don't know. I like I like the Carl's Jr. ones are pretty good. I don't. Know, McDonald's aren't bad. They're obviously good, but I like flavored fries a bit. So give me some Five Guys Cajun fries. Just those are good. Is this is this all a way of of avoiding talking about this game? Maybe a little, but I'm also hungry, and we're it's eleven o'clock my time. I'm getting a little late night snack, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Peckish. Okay. Exactly. Um, Kent State, Wyoming, six and six, seven and six. Maybe a little bit. It's at the uh, Blue Turf up in Albertson Stadium. Wyoming's a three-point favorite, 59 over-under. Um, can we just say give Xavier Valley the ball and be done with it and say Sean Chambers or Levi Williams, whoever's starting quarterback, just to don't screw it up? <laughs> okay, so here. Okay, so here's the thing. Like, I don't. I mean, I don't know if it's that simple. Which isn't really saying anything about Wyoming as much as it says something <laughs> about Kent State. Because for, for all the things that the Golden Flashes do well on offense, which we're going to talk about more in a minute, I'm assuming, that defense is bad. <laughs> <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Okay, so, so I, I, and I didn't realize this until I was looking at it just now. Apparently, they're the only team in the MAC that faced a thousand defensive plays this year. Yeah, they gave up. They, did. they gave up a shade over six yards per play. And when you want to look at the more sort of advanced measures, it doesn't really get a lot better in terms of points per drive allowed on defense. They're 120th nationally, you know, 3.18 points per drive allowed. Um, you know, in terms of you know available yards percentage allowed, uh, they're actually even worse, 127th overall. So. Oof. Yeah. So, so when you say just hand the ball to validate and call it a day, <laughs> I think to myself, okay, well, it may not be that simple because if you're a Wyoming offense that wants to, you know, obviously they want to lean on the run, but maybe give Levi Williams some easy throws to get into a rhythm and against this defense, why shouldn't you be able to? So, so to me, that's sort of where I, where I break. Well, I'm not saying that you're wrong, but I think, say, I mean, guess what I'm saying is that there's more to it because this Kent State defense, no matter how you slice it, is, is B-A-D bad. Yeah, and so, well, I mean, offense isn't amazing by any stretch, but they have obviously validated, but we'll see. What, do we even know who's starting this game? Is it because Chambers and Lee Williams have kind of been, eh. I haven't Not seen it. I haven't seen a depth chart just yet, but I'm assuming that Williams is a starter because I haven't heard anything otherwise. It makes sense. Yeah, there hasn't been a chat written about them over like trib.com or something, just kind of peering over there the past day or two, and just now just to make sure I didn't miss anything. But when, uh, like, again, Kent State freaking seven and six, they the max fine. Like we know the max known. Oh, max can score a lot of points. That's but one was defense, man. Chad Muma, all these guys they play like their their offense isn't a trip a traditional Mac offense. They did somehow beat NIU 52 points, but then got beaten the rematch in the Mac title game. They are prone to sc- shootouts a little bit here, like 48-47, like what we've seen. That's the Miami Ohio game, Ohio 34-27. They can score a decent amount of points, 
But like you're right, defense, give up. The, here's your trend. 64 points given up versus Western Michigan. Or, yeah, Western Michigan. 41 against NIU and losses. 47 beating Miami, Ohio. 30 points, or excuse me, 54 points losing to Central Michigan. So they're going to be a team where Wyoming is not, as we know, they can score some points, but they're not a team that traditionally put up, what, 40 points, 35 points a game. They're going to be a little uh, – this might be a day for them. You know what I mean? This might be a career day for a couple of these Wyoming pass catchers or running backs. I mean, yeah, honestly, it might be. Because Wyoming, remember, they can score points. Like a half kill, they can score points. But the NIU game, 50 points. Ball State, 45 points. It toned down a little bit outside of that weird Utah State victory. Mm-hmm. So their offense has been up and down. But they have potential at some point to at least three times this year or four times this year score 30 more points. Yeah. And they might only need 21 to win this game. Yeah, I mean, I think if if you're if you're looking at the Wyoming offense, the one thing that you do have to be mindful of with this Kent State defense, they bend a lot, but they also generate a ton of turnovers too. Relative to everybody else in the MAC, you know, they're far and away the number one defense in terms of like total total takeaways. You know, they have 25, including 16 interceptions. Nobody else in that conference has more than 19, and so. I think to myself, okay, well, it's it's not without peril if you want to drop back and pass, which is maybe more of an argument to your point about, okay, we'll just give the ball to Valaday and Swen and call it a day. You know, just <laughs> keep keep the ball between the tackles until they prove you, they can stop you. I could think of worse ideas. Such as? No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I mean, oh, oh. <laughs> I was just saying, <laughs> you know, because, because, you know, it doesn't really matter how you slice it. Like, you know, they just aren't great about doing much of anything when it comes to, you know, it's not like they're, they're better. They're that much better at stopping the run than they are at stopping the pass. Like, you know, their, their, their pass rush is anemic. Kent State is, you know, it's, it's only, you know, it's, they have a 3.3% sack rate, 126th nationally. And so, so for those of you keeping score at home, that's a bottom five pass rush. Um, but they, again, they aren't much better about defending the run either. You know, they give up 2.85 yard line yards per carry. That's 109th nationally. They're, you know, 100th by opportunity rate. So Valaday and Swen should be able to make hay. And, and Williams totally. too. And Williams too, if they want to, you know, put him in motion and, and maybe roll him out a little bit. Yeah. Cause like when we look at what Ken State does, like kind of more specifically, we've got a little bit like the QB's okay, right? Like Justin Crumb. He's pretty good. Yeah, that, that that's an area where they can make they can make some moves. Only six picks. However, he gets their offensive line's not very great with about three sacks a game, just about at yeah. 33. So that's a problem. Like he's 64% completion rate, throws deep, 16 TDs, eh, but six interceptions. He's kept protect careful with the football. They have a good running game. Like we there, this is a better team where we're not giving them the credit they deserve. Like Marquez Cooper, we're talking about thousand yard rusher. They want to run the ball well, 3,100 yards. That's pretty good. For a whole season, like they they can run the ball, and they also have like Dante, um, what is it, Dante Cephas, the receiver, a thousand yards himself. So the offense is great. That's not the issue. So it's going to come down to kind of obviously, can this Kent State offense, the Golden Flashes, move the ball well enough? And conversely, like as we've been kind of been saying, Wyoming's offense has been fine, occasionally explosive, occasionally not. This might, I think, this is going to be a game where they can put more points than they typically would. But this might be almost like an NIU game again, 
the final score, maybe not necessarily how well we had to hold off the Huskies early on when they had that. Yeah, yeah. What two, two, two three touchdown lead early on, early on near halftime or third quarter. Mm-hmm. But I could see this being a lot of points where all my defense is good, but the Golden Flash just have so many versatile players. Like they almost had two thousand yard rushers with Xavier Williams and Cooper. So. Yeah, and they had two and running backs oh, with oh, by the way, 11 Crum, yards. Crum is a pretty effective Crum. runner Sorry, for that, himself, too. Sorry, that's what I was getting at. I don't know why I said running back. But yeah, 11 touchdowns for him on the ground. So he had 20, 27 total touchdowns for and, and 3,500 yards from scrimmage. Yeah, over 600 yards rushing, which, again, isn't the most like you know accurate measure of how talented someone is as a runner. But, that, again, that's a quarterback. Without, without adjusting for sack yardage. Sack yardage, would you like to know? That is 194 sack yardage. So, so he's closer to 800 at rusher. So that trio in the backfield of Crum, Cooper, and Williams can do a lot of damage against this Wyoming front if they aren't prepared. Yeah. And they can, and they, they've proven that they can put up points in a hurry because, you know, as for like we just mentioned, as far as like, you know, available yards, points per drive, those problems don't exist on offense. You know, the top 50 in terms of, you know, points per drive on offense um, and you know, they're basically just outside the top 25 in terms of available yards earned per drive. So it's going to be a much tougher task than I think a Wyoming fan might think at first glance, you know, because you think, okay, well, it's the Mac, you know, how good can a team be? If there's one thing that Kent state can do well, it's they can run through this Wyoming defense. If, if they're having an off day. So what do you think, like, when we look at this game overall, we kind of mentioned it's strength versus strength, essentially, and weakness yeah. versus weakness, which is weird to say, you know what I mean, for these type of matchups. Yeah. So we have, like I mentioned, like, for this game, Wyoming's defense versus Kent State's offense is a strength, uh, strength, strength, uh, weakness, weakness, like I said. So what what strength do you think is like the best strength of this of this whole matchup? Like the one or like is it going to come down? To, let me rephrase that for you, Matt. Better way to say it. What's going to come down to the difference in the game? Whose strength is better or whose weakness is, um, I guess, worse or better? Like what's the one area you're most confident? Like this is going to be decide this game. Is it? I think it's running game for Wyoming. What do you think could be the the one unit that's kind of oh this will make decide the difference because. The weakness of well, I mean, it's off, not that they're weak, but the lesserness of I'll just diff, I'll use a different example of Kent State's defense is going to be be bet, good enough to sort of Wyoming's offense or some other criteria of the four groups. Honestly, it's I think a lot is going to come down to what Wyoming can do up front in terms of their ability to stop the run. Because, you know, for as, as rough as, as the Golden Flashes have been about protecting Crum as a passer, and, and they're below average nationally with a, with a 7.4% sack rate, that's 86th overall. But, you know, by a lot of the other measures that I, that I like to look at as far as, you know, efficacy when it comes to establishing the run, you know, they're basically a top 25 team in terms of power success rate. So they win more often than not in short yardage situations. They're fifth in the country in opportunity rate. So that trio of runners, you know, you know, Crum, Cooper, Williams is going to get theirs one way or another. And by contrast, mm-hmm. Wyoming has a lot of talent up front, but it hasn't always shown up. You know, so by a lot of those same measures, that's where you look at, you know, a stuff rate that is only 13% on, on defense, which is 122nd nationally. Um, 
and and they they aren't really that much better by a lot of the other measures. Like I think, you know, one thing that I look at is like, okay, well, if they're both you know adept in short yarded situations, you know, we just talked about Kent State being a top five unit. Uh, you know, Wyoming that has been one of the things that they do relatively well. You know, their power success rate on defense is fifty seven point six percent. That's seventeenth overall nationally among FBS defenses. So, you know, those could be some of those subtle situations where, you know, if Kent State is able to move the chains and wear down this Wyoming defense, that could be a huge leg up in their favor. But conversely, if, if Wyoming can take care of business and get that offense off the field, they, they can give themselves and give their offense more opportunities to, you know, do damage against a, a Kent State defense that really doesn't have a lot going for it other than their ability to, to create turnovers through the air which again, isn't something that Wyoming is likely to lean upon more often than they absolutely have to. So, um, so FEI likes Wyoming. They like the Cowboys by 8.4 points. Uh, SP plus also likes the Cowboys, not by quite as much by only 4.5, 60% win probability. And uh, our, our acquaintance Parker Fleming at stats of war on Twitter his advanced stats preview gives the Cowboys a 71.73% win probability, projected margin of victory roughly 37 to 29. The reason my thing keeps muting, I keep talking, I don't know why it meets back and forth, Matt. Apologies. Huh. Um, so what's your pick then? What's your score and all that type of stuff? So, I, I mean, I honestly don't know if I like the matchup for Wyoming. And I think if it, if it, if Kent State has their way against this defense, and the defense has not always played up to par this year, that you know their running game especially is good enough to get them a lead and and keep that lead. So I think the Golden Flashes are probably going to win this one pretty comfortably. I've got them winning thirty eight to twenty four. I'm like wanting wanting to pick every Mountain West team to win these matchups. That's not good. <laughs> um, I do, oh man. It is difficult because that Kent State offense can move the ball. I'm going to go. I'm going to stick with Wyoming. I'm going to go 28-24 Wyoming. All right then. Next game, UTSA at San Diego State. Underrated ball game. 4:30 Pacific. ESPN. All right, game number two, UTSA at – no, excuse me, not at San Diego State. San Diego State is playing UTSA in Texas, so maybe UTSA is hosting. Frisco Bowl, Tropical Smoothie, Frisco Bowl, 4.30 Pacific time, 5.30 Mountain time, 6.30 local. Friday night as well, say, or excuse me, not Friday, Tuesday night, December 21st. My days are all mixed up now because whatever it is. Aztecs are an underdog, two point underdog to a UTSA team who – is it is it safe to say they finally broke through this year since it's always been when Larry Coker was there or whatnot? They're the next best team. They're going to be the next team to do this. They're going to be a power in Texas. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
the Roadrunners lost one game, obviously. They uh, won their conference title. They end up losing to North Texas 45-23. They beat it up on Billy Zappi's team we mentioned in one of our prior podcasts, 52-46. They're a team that, yeah, they beat Illinois, whatever. Uh, they beat pretty good Memphis team. They score a decent amount of points. Like the Western Kentucky game twice, they beat them. They scored a ton of points. So their defense is a hit or miss, I guess I could say, when they give up 30 points here, 24 points here. 46 points there, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So Aztecs, I think this is more of a a game where Aztecs have more to prove than UTSA, partly because the way partly due to the way the season ended. And I know they had all those COVID issues and players not playing, which again, I think we both agree didn't have too much of an impact on the championship game. But this is going to test even more so the Aztecs defense for UTSA can do an offense, I think. Because we don't also we also don't know who the quarterback is going to be for San Diego State, really. Like, probably Brookshire. I don't know. He didn't do all the great. He got pulled late in the game. But that was more of a, uh, we're down big, so let's let this one guy get a few series in. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the depth chart, both both Brookshire and Lucas Johnson are, are, are listed with an or right now. But I think the, the big thing is that both of those guys have had time to recuperate from, from you know, having been banged up down the stretch and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe having limited effectiveness as a result. And so I think that sort of cleaner bill of health, even if it's not you know 100% healthy, could be a step in the right direction, if only because, you know, what they were able to do in the second half of the year, which we talked about in the championship game, they didn't need to be an all-conference type quarterback flinging at 30, 35 times a game for them to be functional enough for the offense to do what it needs to do. And that was more or less what they did for most of the second half of the year. The only times that they didn't do it were in the two games they lost down the stretch, you know, at, you know, at home against Fresno state and then at home against Utah state. And so if I'm looking for a starting point for the Aztecs to sort of turn things around and finish and finish on a high note, that's where I would start, but I don't know if it's necessarily going to be all that easy because, you know, in in terms of what the, the roadrunners defense can do, it's not like they're a bunch of pushovers. Like, yeah, I, I think the offense is probably the more talented side of the book, the football in that program, but the defense has, you know, a number of contributors who can do a lot of damage if the Aztecs aren't careful. Oh yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. They, <laughs> Aztecs got to be careful for a lot of things, man. Drop interception versus the Utah state, fumble punts, Madurai's getting punts block. I don't think they could be less careful or, yeah, less careful in the bowl game than they were versus Utah State, right? I think that's almost completely off the table for what they can be in that aspect. Yeah, and I mean, and it's and it's because they have you know talent at all three levels that makes them especially dangerous. I would say, you know, you know, case in point, you know, I think they're maybe their best overall player is their outside linebacker Clarence Hicks. You know, six two two twenty five um, had what sixteen TFLs, set the school record with ten sacks this year. We just saw this Aztecs offensive line get wrecked last week by Nick Henninger and company. Um, it would not be surprising if you if UTSA was able to do the same thing. And if it's not, you know, someone like Hicks, then you know, maybe it's someone like Jalen Haynes, the defensive end, who has you know eight sacks, of, you know, from like they don't necessarily have like a, a Cameron Thomas type player on their own defensive line. True. But their linebackers know how to get after it. You know, whether, whether it's Hicks, whether it's, you know, Jamal Ligon, um, you know, he had an interception. He's got 25 tackles in the last five, four or five games. 
and no, by the way, like when the Aztecs want to be able to throw the football and, and have that, you know, sort of rediscovered efficiency, you know, they have one of the better safeties anywhere in the group of five, Rashad Winston, who's a two-time first team all-conference pick. You know, he can get back there and make plays. And so I think that the Aztecs have to tread carefully, you know, if only because the Aztec, you know, the, the offense was never their biggest strength anyway. And, and where they lost that game was in being undisciplined in making uncharacteristic mistakes. So, you know, if they clean that up and, and avoid kind of the backbreaking mistake that related them in, against Utah State, you know, that gives them a much better chance against a UTSA defense that can, has, that can do plenty to force you into those mistakes in the first place. No, that's totally true. They may, if you force you into any mistakes, then like I said, Aztecs last week, I like what is the what are they what are the coaches do not last week but last game what are the what do you think Brady Hoke and guys are doing about how to limit mistakes what are they what teaching methods are they trying to do They're like guys matter I said don't punt the ball in the back of your head blocker push the guy forward don't let him run you back so your punter kicks the ball in the back of your head Trenton Thompson or all these DBs when the ball hits your lap catch it with both hands what are they what are they teaching to not make mistakes like that I don't know. Uh, and, I, and I think it's especially important for the Aztecs to try and stay on schedule. Like they can't fall into like, you know, second and eight, third no. and six or anything like that. They're too predictable. They can't. And, and, but again, I think that's going to be easier said than done against this UTSA defense, you know, in terms of like, um, you know, third and fourth down success rate, for instance, um, the Aztecs have never been that good this year. And they, you know, in terms of you know their success rate, they're 121st on offense. And UTSA is not like in the elite defense as far as preventing third and fourth down success rate, but they're 41st nationally, you know, 39.75%. And so, you know, the Aztecs have to find a way to extend drives at least a little bit, at least, you know, and if they want to win the field position game, it, it helps if, if Ariza is at least punting from like his own 40, for instance, than from with, within his own 25. And with that, get like Jesse Matthews, other receivers, the ball a little bit more because that was a tough, tough go in the championship yeah. game. And Greg Bell needs to have an above, well, 80 yards minimum, I think, to make that a possibility of them not being stuck in their shadow of the goalpost where mm-hmm. if he boots at 70 yards, it's still, they get to 30. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> so there's those type of things. Like they just erase what happened in Utah State game, just pretend it never happened and just could do other things. It's like, all right, memory swipe from Men in Black. Last game, poof, nothing. Before that, oh, we're an amazing team. Look what we could do. We beat Boise State. We came from behind. We did this. We're, we beat University of Utah. We've done all these things and just forget the Utah State game. That's what they do. Just memory wipe that game and they'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. But then they still have to contend with the Roadrunners offense too. That offense is good. Yeah. And, and you sort of have to look at the championship game as the potential that you know, Utah State sort of exposed something that then not a lot of people were able to take advantage of. And I wonder if that comes down to just, ha- you know, a strong passing game has maybe been the one thing that has beaten this Aztecs defense most often this year. You know, we, Fresno State, Nevada almost did it. You know, UNLV almost did it with a backup quarterback. Um, you know, Utah State did it, you know, just a week and a half ago. And Frank Harris, the UTSA quarterback, is plenty good enough. And, and the rest of that offense is plenty good enough to, to be able to do the same thing. You know, they, they aren't necessarily like 
you know, putting up video game numbers in the same way that like a conference mate like Western Kentucky is. But in terms of like, you know, for example, I like to talk about points per drive available yards percentage. Um, offensive points per drive, UTSA is 13th nationally. You know, they're giving up or rather they are earning over three points per drive. So like they're right up there, you know, with, you know, if you're looking in terms of like Mountain West teams to compare them to, they're basically neck and neck with Air Force right now. Yeah. Um, and, and in terms of available yards percentage per drive, they're right outside the top 10. You know, they're, they've earned 57.6% of available yards on average per drive. So that's going to be a lot easier said than done for the Aztecs who, you know, even though on the season, you know, by de- you know, just looking at defensive available yards, they're still sixth nationally. But when you narrow the focus a little bit to sort of how things have played out, you know, more on, a, on an individual game by game basis, you know, you start to see that, you know, teams like Utah State, like Fresno State were able to sort of expose cracks and to a certain extent, solve that defense in a way that, you know, earlier opponents in the year hadn't really been able to. So if I'm UTSA, I look at that and I think, well, okay, I know we want to be a balanced <laughs> offense, um, but, you know, why not lean on our pass a little bit more? Why not lean on, for, on, on Harris and, you know, the other guys that they have, you know, school position play. So, you know, we know that they have one of the better running backs anywhere in the country in six in Cincinnati McCormick, you know, he was the, he was the conference championship game MVP. You know, wh- what is the average? Like, what is he averaging this year? Um, his 1500 yards and 15 touchdowns, his average touchdowns, I should say, obviously plural. Um, I'm trying to pull it up here. I don't have his per game, but yeah, he was so he, somehow uh, 120 was, yards a game, essentially about somehow it was basically a down year from last year. <laughs> yeah. Even though he's basically averaging the same yards per carry that he did last year. You know, he's, he's one of the more effective workhorse backs anywhere in the country. Um, but he might find himself in a situation where he won't have to do everything. You know, because, you know, Sakari Franklin is, you know, he's an all-conference pick first-teamer uh, as well. You know, he can stretch the field. So can Joshua Sethis. So I see UTSA looking at last week's game and thinking, well, we can do that. And, yeah. and, and trying to do exactly that. So that way, you know, if they get the, you know, if they get the lead with the pass, you know, they have proven, you know, week after week that, you know, when, when they get a lead, just give it to McCormick and he can salt the game away. Yeah. Why not? Why not? So yeah, his average per, yeah, it's pretty good. Five yards of carry 81 yard long. So they, if him, they also have like, Frank, like you mentioned, Frank Harris throws the ball. He runs a little bit reasonably well too. I mean, I, I think the secondary in particular has a lot to prove. Oh, Shane State, yeah. Look how bad they got beat last week. Yeah, because last they, game I should say. And and it, and I think a lot of that, like I said, comes down to just you know, first of all, being more disciplined. They took way too many personal foul penalties against Utah oh, State. Oh, jeez. Which you which you have to think is not a thing that's going to happen again. No, because, they because were they've they've no. typically been a pretty disciplined defense overall. But you know, in the same way that I, you know, we talked about, you know, or rather I talked about CJ Baskerville and, and kind of young guys as being able to make the difference for them. I think that's probably even more true in this bowl game where you know you they may not be as familiar with the talent that UTSA has, but that talent can do a lot of damage. And so those young guys that are still back there in the defensive backfield whether that's Baskerville, whether that's, you know, Dallas Branch or Noah Tumlin or Noah Avenger, 
we, we know that those guys are going to play a role one way or another. And so they're going to have to find a way to hold up and let the guys do up front, you know, let the guys up front be able to do their jobs and put pressure on Harris and, and stop McCormick and things like that. That's totally true. They're going to have to like, it's like I said, just memory wipe the Utah State game. That's all I'm saying. It's not that hard. Come on. That's all you do. Game mm-hmm. over. <laughs> I don't know that, but they're going to step up like Cameron Thompson, these guys too, but also like go back to the offense, like, Flip it around like Greg Bell needs to have a better game work. He hasn't been consistent, he's been up or down. Jesse Matthews had a down game versus Utah State after having a pretty good stretch of games. I think what five of a six TDs in the final four weeks or something like that. Mm-hmm. Something extremely good. Um, honestly, quarterback, I don't know what to do. Like Brookshire looked good, but then again, it's like that thing I mentioned like, oh, he came in off the bench, he looks great. Then versus Utah State, he didn't because he realized he had to not realize, but it's one of those adrenaline things like, oh, I'm gonna play well, I'm off the bench. Right and high, just making plays, slinging the ball. You know, until he gets into it, learns it, more reps. It's it's where thing happens. A lot of people I'm not just putting on him. It happened to oh shoot, some Utah State or not Utah, UNLV quarterback when Cameron Farrell and Justin Rogers. Rogers came in and played very well, and then next game not good at all because of whatever reason. It's my opinion, kind of like oh the adrenaline's gone. You're out there more settled. You're thinking we're not just playing, but. So as for QBs, I I don't know. Because Lucas Johnson, I mean, excuse me, Brookshire ran a little bit as well, which was a little surprising for what he normally does. Because mm-hmm. I kind of felt that's where Johnson was at the edge, possibly, possibly where some more play action, some rollout, some design runs. So both quarterbacks' style of play the past couple of times seems pretty similar. So I don't really – I think Brookshire probably throws the touch better. And so I think it really comes down to Greg Bell and getting the, the correct wide receivers involved. So it, I, I don't think it's really mattered who's a quarterback, just who's more productive, which is okay. dumb to say, but I think it's true. I think it's, it's, not a, the I think it's a reasonable point. Yeah, it's like it's not the reason they're going to win or lose the game. Well, it's not the reason they're going to win the game, but it's a heck of a good reason they're going to lose the game if the quarterback can't complete. Honestly, give me 11 of 17 for 185, a touchdown and no interceptions, and they'll probably win. Yeah, I can see that. Just saying, just take, take care of the ball. Don't screw it up and hope and don't hope Greg Bell, but expect Greg Bell to have like a hundred yards. Yeah, and this will be fascinating. Like again, the the Aztec defense going up against Roadrunners says Roadrunners are scoring like their lowest scoring game. I'm trying to see real quick was was you was it really the UNLV game twenty four seventeen? Yeah, yeah. That, ooh, okay, then that's interesting. That was a weird one, <laughs> and that was at UTSA at the. Uh, where do they play? They still play the Alma Dome? They I don't do. know where they play. They do. Because I actually was at that campus. I was in San Antonio over on Memorial Day, and it's a decent-sized campus. I wasn't sure if they still played at the Alma Dome or not. But mm-hmm. let's get to prediction time because I think this will be a lowish scoring game. I think it's a potential. But I still think UTSA, low scoring for them is like 30 points. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that could be a problem if that's a low end and they, they still get 30 points. So the, the advanced numbers are relatively split on this game. Um, so FEI likes UTSA, but by only 2.1 points. Hmm. Uh, even more interestingly, though, so you maybe you should have saved your hmm there. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, S, SP Plus sees this game as being the closest of any bowl game this year. They is it a tie? It, it is just about a tie. They favor the Aztecs by 0. 0.1. 0. 0.1. Or or alternatively, a 50% win probability. Oh, clearly. <laughs> um, and then, um, you know, Parker Fleming, his advanced stats preview, 
also likes UTSA. Um, not an overwhelming favorite though, only 62.67 win percent, or excuse me, percentage win probability. Uh, projected margin is roughly 27 to 23. What's your project projection then? I mean, again, I just don't know if I like the matchup for the Aztecs in this one. And I think a yeah. lot of that, I like a lot of that comes down to, I don't know if I have a lot of confidence that the Aztecs are going to find answers on offense in particular, because I think even if it becomes a field position game, even if the Aztecs are able to clean up the mistakes that really kind of doomed them in the title game, mm-hmm. UTSA is good enough offense to overcome that. And so I like the Roadrunners to win. I, um, they're two, are they a two and a half point underdog or is it San Diego State the underdog? Aztecs are, are underdog. Each Roadrunners are favored by two and a half. Okay. Well, I'm going to take the Roadrunners to win and cover. I've got them winning 31 to 20. I, I go, I'm kind of in your neighborhood as well. Um, I think it touched lower score, and I think it's going to be 27 21 UTSA. All right, then. So that's where I'm leaning there. So that wraps up our bowl preview part two. Um, MWR.com, find all of our, find all of our stuff, you know, and, and Facebook, Twitter, all that great stuff. MWC wire, Matt must wire, subscribe to our podcast. As for what's coming next, me and Matt will need to discuss offline, but odds are here's our early plan. We'll be back Sunday, regardless to recap you the first set of bowl games on Saturday, like we typically do. Mm-hmm. They might include some other previews because the bowl schedule really quick for those paying attention after the Tuesday games. It's Christmas Eve, Hawaii Bowl, Memphis versus Hawaii, then Western Michigan, Nevada on 27th, 28th, Air Force, Louisville, Boise State, Central Florida, or excuse me, Central Michigan, New Year's Eve. So we'll figure out how we're going to record all these. It might be individually, but we'll see. But that's what we're going right now. But we have four bowl previews in the book, and yeah, we'll see you next time.